The FT. Criticism of poor labour standards in Qatar and allegations that the Gulf Emirate bought the World Cup through bribery have led some to suggest it should be stripped of its right to host the competition in 2022. I'm Fiona Simon, and on the line with me to discuss Qatar's response to the allegations is Simeon Kerr, the FT's Gulf correspondent. Simeon, these allegations have rumbled on for years, but they've been taken more seriously since a group of senior FIFA officials were arrested on bribery charges last month and Set Blatter stepped down as president. What has Qatar's response been? Well, these allegations have been around for a long time. Qatar's got quite used to responding to bad news headlines. They've been very cautious in their response, but they're slowly coming out of their shell now and they are essentially saying that they did nothing wrong and that there is no direct evidence that they bribed their way to winning the rights to host 2022. The severity of what happened over this month has, I think, shocked them. But they are, for the moment, sticking with that position. What role did Mohammed bin Hammam, the Qatari former FIFA official, play in the awarding of the World Cup to Qatar? And what evidence of corruption is there against the Emirate? Well, certainly Mr. Bin Hammam's role is central to the allegations that Qatar bought the World Cup. The main allegations largely reported by the Sunday Times that Mr. Bin Hammam had been paying bribes to various other footballing officials. The Qataris are adamant, had nothing to do with their bid for the World Cup. Now, the inference was that he did this in order to curry favour for Qatar's bid which was announced in 2010. At the time, in 2011, Mr. Ben Hammam had been saying he would run against Sepp Blatter, who's now himself resigned, and was launching a bid against Mr. Blatter to run FIFA. So the countries say that anything Mr. Ben Hammam was doing there might have been involved with that. As they say, there is no smoking gun to show that what Mr. Ben Hammam was doing was on behalf of Qatar. So they're basically saying that he did this on his own behalf because he wanted to be the new president of FIFA. Yeah, that's one of the possibilities they put out there. They all say that even though he was a very senior Qatari, uh, very influential at the time in Doha, they would say that actually whatever he was doing was related to his long-standing footballing career. You know, he was an executive committee member of FIFA for 15 years. They said that had nothing to do with us. He had no official or unofficial role with our bid. So you shouldn't confuse the issues is how they put it. How likely do you think FIFA is to strip Qatar of the World Cup and how would such a thing be decided? Certainly it would appear that the odds are against Qatar now. I mean, before they were very confident that they would be able to withstand the storm. But there is a certain sense of nervousness in Doha these days and the bookies are certainly turning against them. I think even Qatar's harshest critics are saying that there probably does need to be a bit more evidence to prove wrongdoing. Remember, Qatar has a sort of contract to run the 2022 World Cup. Their bid turned into a contract when they won. And so the lawyers would, I believe, have to be involved if there were to be any change to that. But as we're seeing now, FIFA's in turmoil and FIFA's going to go through a deep reform process with a new leader. We don't know what this new leader is going to do about the Russian and Qatari World Cups, given the controversy around them. And secondly, clearly these criminal investigations are out there. One can only imagine what might be coming out, but it's really impossible to say. How much has Qatar spent on preparing for the competition? Well, Qatar's a very, very rich state. 
probably one of the richest in the world. And it has a massive domestic development drive. It's always been going ahead with domestic development. Winning the World Cup gave an added impetus to that. Estimates vary between $100 billion and $200 billion worth of domestic transport infrastructure. There's a new metro being put in now, roads, rail, new ports. There's a new airport finally opened recently. So there's the basic infrastructure which is being pushed forward because of the games. And then secondly, there's maybe about 16 to $20 billion of direct investment related to the World Cup, the stadia that they're going to be built to host the matches and the hotels that are being put in to house the fans that number could change and it already has been downgraded somewhat and and it could change more so the broader infrastructure investment would probably have gone ahead anyway why is football so important to the emirate football has been one part of Qatar's soft power strategy this so-called soft power strategy is has been seen in, in other ways, the way that Qatar Investment Authority, the Sovereign Wealth Fund, has been investing in blue chips and real estate around the world, making Qatar part of the global financial firmament. At the same time, the arts are really important to Qatar. They're building museums. They've become a major player in the global arts sphere. And football is part of that. It's part of building links into other countries to help secure Qatar's future. You know, it's got a very individual outlook within the Middle East, and it's in a very tough area. Iran, Iraq, there are threats all over the place, and they've always decided that they have to build their influence around the region and into the world in order to secure their long-term future. So football is very much part of that. They sponsor Barcelona Football Club, who just won the Champions League. The ruler, along with the government, is the owner of Paris Saint-Germain, France's wealthiest club. And there are other teams as well which they own and sponsor. So it's been an important part of that strategy. And also countries like many Arab states, they're also football fans themselves. What about the mistreatment of workers? There have long been allegations about this. How has Qatar addressed these criticisms? Yes, I mean, this is another long-standing criticism going back many years. And it really came to the fore once they'd won the World Cup. It's an issue across the Gulf states. Many migrant labourers come in and some of the conditions in which they work are pretty bad. Since the scrutiny started, Qatar will say that they have responded. They have increased inspections, they've increased labour standards, accommodation standards. They are now introducing a system of automatic wage payments so people aren't paid late. But there's very much a, a sense that Qatar is being reactive here. And some parts of the regulations in Qatar are very strict. They've got a, a system called kafala of sponsorship, which defines the way that workers are treated. They are looked after by the company or an individual who brings them in. These people are responsible for them. And this system is prone to abuse, rights groups say. The Qataris will say they are starting to reform this system of kafala. But the rights groups will argue, well, you're only doing it because you've got the World Cup. And secondly, you're only doing sort of window dressing reforms. You're not really tackling the, the issues underneath. So it's very clear in Qatar that they know that they something they have to work on if they're going to host this World Cup in 2022. Okay, one final question. What would be the response of Qatar if the World Cup were to be stripped from them? Would there be a backlash? Certainly domestically there would be. And there's a certain sense that, you know, there could be some kind of backlash against Western commercial interests. But more broadly, as things come to a head, they are a close partner of the Western states in the region. So I think it's not maybe not so much of a case of a backlash, but there could be some backroom dealing going on, linking sort of geopolitical issues in the region and this controversy of the World Cup going ahead as well. OK, thank you very much, Samin. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. 
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.